Games you design should be something you want to play. Whether it's a deep dungeon dive, a sprawling political landscape, or in this case, a romp where you and your friends get up to mischief and become no members of the city. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Mo Poplar about his game, Shibuya Nights, a Forge of the Dark game set in a fantastical world. We talk about game design, mechanics, and life. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am joined by a very, very cool creator who I've been talking to for a little while now, and uh, we're going to be talking about a game called Shibuya Nights, which if you haven't heard about it, you need to get out there and play it. It's so much fun looking. It's <laughs> Mo, thank you for coming out to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. I'm, I'm glad it looks fun. <laughs> I'm very excited about this game. Very excited to play it in like two more weeks. It, it's an inspiration. I um, I I definitely love the anime aesthetic. You know, um, I, I'm a parent, and it's funny because um, I'm trying to get my kid into real anime, quote unquote. You know, but <laughs> I, I it's it's just it just wows me that like so much of uh the content for kids these days is so anime infused and yeah. um you know i just i just love that idea of action and adventure uh, with morals stakes mm -hmm. but not necessarily physical stakes yeah we're going to talk about that all really soon but mo before we get into that can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself my name is mo poplar i'm from oakland california um and i grew up uh, reading comic books and not aware that, you know, the Bay Area was this hotbed of uh, game design. So I quickly fell into um, Champions. Well, I mean, I played D&D, &D, you know, there, there were these yep. cool boxes of games with these awesome pictures on them and they were very evocative. And I was just like, I want to be a warrior. I want to be a necromancer. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you know, I got into uh, to D and D, and uh, fell into I don't know if you remember a very small game called Top Secret. I've never heard of Top Secret. Yeah, so one of my friends bought Top Secret. We played Top Secret kind of till the wheels fall off, and you know, probably the, my first experience with game design because I actually don't think anybody knew the rules. We were just role playing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, we had dice. They resolved our, our, our challenges. Um, mm -hmm. I quickly got into Champions, which is uh, uh, not not it, it's it's not as popular as it was, or maybe it was just really popular in the Bay Area. But um, it was a a role playing game where you got to do the superheroic feat that your character was designed to do. Um, ah. now that I'm a game designer, I'm like, Hmm, this is what if some accountants created a game system, oh, no. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it's a point by system and, you know, everything is like mathed out and the better at math you are, the better character you can create. And, uh, you know, it was, 
amazing because you could literally create a character that could do anything. And, um, you know, their main game book was about superheroes, but, you know, we were able to design fantasy games and, um, cyberpunk games and you know we got to the point where we just go buy other games just to get the world and the supplement and the adventure and we run it in hero system and it was fantastic that's so cool dabbled in cthulhu dabbled in uh cyberpunk and uh totally unaware that those games were hero system cthulhu and cyberpunk were all being like published essentially kind of a couple miles away from where i grew up you know, that's so cool. and uh, yeah, um, kind of got to a point where I gamed way past my 20s. And uh, mm-hmm. y- you just have a moment where you're like, I need to grow up and do grown up things. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, kind of turned my interest to writing and uh, screenwriting and uh, later filmmaking. And yeah, like somebody invited me to a uh, uh, a D&D game and I was just like oh, I used to do that but no I, I think I'm done with it and then somebody invited me to a, a role playing game night and I said I used to do that and you know kind of in those quiet hours the itch just kind of came back so I got back into gaming and uh, you know I'm, I'm at the point where I, I look at things and I'm like you know, when, when I got back into gaming, uh, PBTA was the big thing. And um, just, I was not convinced that these very light storytelling systems would actually satisfy the gaming experience. But yeah, I kind of fell in love with them. And uh, they're so light, they almost encourage you. They're so light and they're so specific. They almost encourage you to go make your own game. And so I went and made my own game. That game is Shibuya Nights, which we've talked only the slightest bit about. So can you tell the audience what Shibuya Nights is, though? Shibuya Nights is a anime action RPG. So uh, I lived in Tokyo for a couple years and fell in love with the city. And I think what really captivated me was its urbanness. And so when I got back into role-playing, one of the things that I was trying to accomplish was like how to have challenges that grew with the characters. You know, you could, you could go kill something and absolutely go find something else to kill. But, um, kind of my love of anime taught me your best challenges will always come from a rival. So, um, Shibuya nights allows you to be in this ultra, um, steampunky urban setting and you're in a city that's big enough that you come across strangers, but it's not so big that the people you meet, they know someone you know. So you can get into all kind of trouble, and the action is absolutely around heists, similar to Blades in the Dark. It's a forged in the dark game, but the heists are, are mischief. So whereas Blades in the Dark is about murdering and drug dealing and pimping and... Um, <laughs> stealing uh all that fun illegal stuff yeah you hey great for you know a particular type of adventure um shibuya nights is about building your reputation getting up to mischief yeah and keeping secrets and 
um, building relationships around the city. So um, mm-hmm. as, as a parent, um, I, I made a game I could play at home. And I know lots of parents who don't want their uh, 10-year-olds uh, reading Blades in the Dark. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That makes total sense. So, um, you know, there was definitely a point where uh, the game looked a lot more like the TV show Arcane you know, with, you know, magic and steampunk and all this other stuff. And, you know, there, there was a point where knowing how I grew up as a gamer, you know, I kind of steered it into this, you know, action anime direction. So, you know, you could absolutely, like, the, the, the GM shouldn't be litigating the physics of what you do. The GM should be talking about um, how, how this is perceived you know, your failures are going to determine that people don't like what you did. Your failures are going to determine that you look bad doing it. And your successes are going to determine that people like you more because of the thing you did. That makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I think one of the really big strengths about this game is actually that reputation and favor system where your jobs and what you do around town more or less help promote your group or your guild or your character and that's how you get things and that's how work happens so what was kind of the inspiration between reputation and favors and how do they work in the game um i really wanted a system that um i i I listened to a, a bunch of gaming podcasts and uh one of them is uh, the happy jacks and the happy jacks have a joke that you can tell a lot about a system by how a, a, a experienced character survives falling down a flight of stairs. If you fall down a flight of stairs at, at zero at first level and you die, but you fall down a flight of stairs and at, at 10th level and you're not even phased, that's a particular kind of game. And mm-hmm. level progression, meaning that you don't get hurt is kind of less interesting to me. Um, I like level progression meaning that you um you can finesse a thing better you get better at a thing but you know just stacking more toughness on top of uh your character was not compelling for me um what was compelling for me was that you have a reputation in town and that your reputation get bigger as you have exploits as you have adventures you know the game absolutely starts around you helping people but quickly becomes people asking you for help, people needing your help. And there's this inverse relationship between you wanting to get reputation to be able to do things in the city and having too much reputation and, and having responsibilities, if that makes sense. And so the yeah. game kind of turns on how much reputation you have. It kind of becomes a different game and you know is designed that... You have a character who gets to um, legendary status. That's a six reputation. And you probably want to retire them and go play somebody new. Because that character has has many mouths that they feed. They have followers. They have businesses. And it's like that character now becomes somebody that everybody knows in the game. And may or may not be against the next character you make. Um, I also liked reputation being kind of how the city responds to the characters so because you're in this urban environment 
do people know or care about what you want? And so your reputation isn't just your level, it's also a mechanic. So if you are running from uh, the constables, the law, and you want to hide, you could see an old lady in the street and make a rep roll. And depending on how your rep roll succeeds, she might help you hide. She might misdirect the constable. She might hit you with a stick. She might require you to help her in order to for her to hide you. And, you know, just I just like how problems can become problems. You know, um, I yeah. think in, in PBTA, they call it failing forward. You know, that limited success. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I also like how, you know, problems become future story arcs. You know, so that, that yeah. lady that you met in the street who hid you, she could hide you because you have a great enough rep. But she's also going to come back around and ask for a favor, you know. Um, and finally, I, I've had so many experiences where it's not how much money you have; it's what you know. And I just like this, uh, yeah. this, this, this um, motif that you know, if you have enough reputation, you can get what you want. And if you don't have enough re- reputation, mm-hmm. nobody will sell you. Like money's not going to buy it. And so what it does is it kind of gets away from the, 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 how much money you have, how much coin you have in a blades in the dark. And it more gets to this sense of, um, how good is your name in town? And I think that makes the adventures not just about succeeding, but succeeding and looking good doing it. And it almost makes role play required, you know, as you get, go up, up in rep, like you, you kind of have to start treating people better because people recognize you and, you know, a game that is only about resolving things through combat can get kind of dry. Yes. And I think honestly, they're games that do it much better, but if you want to role play your way through situation from situation, I think, um, Shibuya Nights is a great way to do that. I think that the mechanics that are set up and the writing, especially the Game Master section, really Mm. lend to that too. Thanks. Well, you're welcome. One of the first things I saw when I was looking through this, because one of the things I like to do is usually I'm the one who's jamming. There's like an emphasis that this is like meant to be a PG-13 world. Like you're not killing blows every single time you take a shot. It's like that's a very specific thing and death means something or this isn't exactly the best game to talk about drug abuse or murder it's just having those rules really clearly stated especially with the aesthetic of the book which is phenomenal and fun really sets the tone for shibuya nights in a unique way that i think a lot of games could maybe take some example from wow flattery flattery will get you everywhere zach <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think it's just good to be specific, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And this game has that specifics. We were just talking about uh, getting recognized in the town, and obviously the people who are getting recognized are those player characters. So let's talk a little bit about the player characters for a second, because obviously that's one of the biggest draws for games like this. 
Specifically, I'd like to hear a little bit more about character creation and the guilds, because the guilds are so cool. Um, thanks. So instead of having things based on classes, which um, I always felt were lacking when I played D&D, mm-hmm. I felt like the only class that really had oomph to it were the thieves, because you had the thieves guild, you had the thieves can't. And then, you know, if you find yourself only going to dungeons to slay dragons, you never get to roleplay any of that stuff. So um, <laughs> instead of playing a class in Shibuya Knights, you start with a guild. And depending on the guild you choose, um, they come with a certain amount of roleplaying fodder for the GM and the players. Um, you have your Rapungans, who, you know, you could call them thieves, but that would be being impolite, if that makes sense. Yeah. They are a guild that kind of live by the adage, you know, a Rapungan always helps a Rapungan. So you'll find a bunch of shady people in the Rapungans, but you'll also find widows, um, orphans, and, you know, people who might have been in abusive relationships. And, you know, they show up, they need help, they sign in the log and they get a favor and the repugnants kind of expect a favor in return and you have this great opportunity you know there are a couple of lines in the in the game book but if somebody decides they don't want to help other repugnants the repugnant guild can then respond and you have this kind of uh authority that you can then turn against your players for being selfish or not negotiating a moral quandary well. <laughs> yeah. um, so all of the other guilds have end up joining the Rapungans one way or the other. So if you start as a Rapungan, you actually start off as a slightly more powerful and capable character in the game. Um, if you choose to start off as an Arcane, you're a magic user. And the Arcane um, have a college... And they can go and study. They can get um, refuge if they need it. And there is a, 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 a again, a, a world color. The world color is that magic is loud and very obvious and distracting. So arcanes can do anything, but they're not subtle. So you can choose to play an arcane, but arcanes are going to um, have to power down their energy to increase their subtlety if that's the kind of game you're in. And so that's the cost of doing anything. You know, again, the costs are social. People are going to notice. Then you have the Skeegens, and the Skeegens are the pirates. And they're pirates of the sky, pirates of the sea, and pirates of the land. And they usually have a, a really cool vehicle that they're either working to improve or working to, you know, test the limits of. And uh, they have um, special moves that allow them to do great things with vehicles. Um, then you got the Tinks and the Tink Guild. The Skeegen Guild is pretty much the loosest guild. If you want to play a character and not have to worry about guilds, play the Skeegens. They're very um, loosely organized, and they're designed to be the loosely organized guild. You got the Tinks, and they build stuff, and, you know populated around the city are tinks colleges and so you again you have this opportunity for 
um, the players to have resources within their, um, in d d would be class, but in Shibuya Nights, it's their guild. Um, the Tinks have a thing where they don't like magic. And so um, inevitably, you're going to have a player who's like, well, I want a Tink who, you, who, who throws magic stuff. And the GM should create consequences for trying to mix the two. Um, mechanically, of course, the Tink is doing exactly what the Arcane can do. Yeah. But the Tink's quote-unquote spells can be taken away from them. And so that's what their, their balance for uh, being able to be subtle. Um, you have the monks mm-hmm. who are kind of good at fighting and good at casting magic. And they are um, people who are going around the city and uh, working for favors because they abstain themselves from from actually having money and personal possessions. Okay. And so you're going to play this character and you're going to choose to take these, these aesthetics on board or again, have consequences from the monks around you. Uh, you got the warriors who are kind of fighty fighty. And last but not least, you got the brewers mm-hmm. and the brewers again, my favorite come with their own guild, you know, to be a brewer is to be special and to be honest and um the brewers guild is all about having a recipe for a thing and so kind of that leads them to have an aesthetic of being by the book um not freelancing because freelancing with beer or soup can get people killed you know what i mean (laughs) so we're not just gonna freelance and put everything in here sorry i say freelance i meant freestyle we're not just gonna freestyle um with recipes <laughs> we're gonna follow the recipes because not following the recipes can get people killed um and they are similar to the tanks they just have a different flavor on top of them if that makes sense yeah and so i, I tried to there's such a fun theme just like this idea of you have physicians and cooks in the same like category is so fun to me yeah i mean i try to you know I, i'm trying to do something new and interesting, I feel like everybody can imagine the uh, the the paladin as the the person riding the perfect horse, imbued by their god. But you know, if you were to take the the, the whole gods part out, right, and you take it out of the fantasy mm-hmm. aesthetic, you know, who are the paladins of the urban space? And I think they're the doctors. You know, I think they're the healers. Oh. I think I think the paladins yeah. are the people who who cook good food, you know, those are your salt to the earth people. And, um, yeah, kind of in Shibuya, the brewers are kind of the paladins. That's such a fun aesthetic. I never would have put that together, but it makes perfect sense now that you've said it. So, um, you know, there is lots of in the, in the, in the GM's guide on how to kind of make these guilds clash up against each other. But of course, when you're starting and you're doing a one shot, and you're just finding your feet, you're going to build your character, you know, you're going to uh, mm-hmm. add, add a couple of uh, points to your to, to, to your die roll, and I'll, I'll get to the mechanics because you asked me about character creation. You're going to add a couple points to your die roll, you're going to choose your part of town, you're going to get a feet, which is kind of the thing that makes you special, 
F E A T, not F E E T. And, um, you know, <laughs> it, it's a thing. It's a thing. I love that word, but I'm like, uh, it doesn't work on podcasts. It works great on the page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you're going to choose a feat. You're going to get some stuff, you know, uh, whether it being um, a monocle to help you see far or, you know, a slug thrower or a magical thing. And uh, you get started on your venture. And the game is designed to start everybody off as a Rapungan. So if you start off as a as a brewer, the question is, why did you jo join the Rapungans? Did you join them because you were down on your luck and you need to help? Did you join them because your family were Rapungans? Or did you join them so you could get better rates doing shady stuff for the Rapungans? You know, you, you have all these options to kind of build a character. And the design is 30 minutes after you've seen this, you're able to kind of start into the adventure. I played a, enough D&D &D that I, I got frustrated going into a game and feeling like your character is not as good as everybody else because you didn't read all the books and supplements. I, I got frustrated, like in, in um, what is it? Uh, Pathfinder type games. There's a game uh, called uh, T Tale of the Shadow of the Demon Lord. I was playing Shadow of the Demon Lord. Oh. And, um, you know, right there with Steve Jackson games, right there with Champions. There's a, there's definitely a point where if you don't have a skill at doing that mini game of character creation, like, you get in and you feel inadequate. So this game is designed to kind of, if somebody wants to read the first 100 pages of the book, they know how it works. You got an imagination, get some friends, and uh, you can go play. Um, it's very, uh, very much like Forged in the Dark, in that you have a list of skills that you roll against. You have a fight, sneak. Um, I don't, I don't have them in front of me. I should pull them up. <laughs> you have fight, sneak, uh, arcane, make, pilot, and a couple other skills. And everything you're going to do, you're going to be rolling against those skills, and you increase the odds of those skills to be rolled on 2d6. I, I kind of got away from the Fortunate Dark, where um, I used the PBTA dice ranges. So on 2d6, yes. if you if you roll a 1 to 6, you fail, right? And the, the game specifically yep. sa states failure doesn't mean that you didn't do a thing. It means you had a bad outcome. 7 to 9, you have a, um, a twist. So something... You achieved your goal, but something bad happened. You know, you hit him really hard and you hurt him, mm -hmm. but um, your sword is stuck in their armor. And, you know, you're not going to be using that sword right now. And on a um, 10, 11, or 12, you get a success. And of course, as you build your stats, those odds increase. And um, this is a little different from some games, but the GM is encouraged to um, put adversaries in the game who give you minuses to your role so as you go up in in reputation minions are going to kind of become more and more easy to dispatch but your rival is also going to go up in reputation you know and so yeah. they may always be on par for you to like have to fight and and, and negotiate 
if if it's if it's fighting your your rival could easily be somebody you have to beat in a race you know yeah challenges are a lot different depending on what you're doing and this game really emphasizes not just taking a combat approach i tend to talk to people about the combat approach because i feel like it's what a lot of gamers understand and it's yeah. in it's in there it's but in there the the game is really designed for somebody to say i want to use cajole my cajole skill to talk my way through everything in the game and that's an option you know if people are attacking you you can talk them out of attacking you the game is designed that way and so yeah i i hope that people see it as an opportunity for creative problem solving I hope people see it as a way to approach role-playing um, outside of the narrow limits. Yep. You know, um, I always have a joke. For this to be a fantasy, you know, some of these role-playing games have very narrow um, imaginations for how to deal with things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some, some games are very much just hit it really hard. Hit, hit it and hit it again and hit it again. Oh, it, you got points yep. this time. Hit, so let's go hit something else. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, there's a time for that. And that can be fun. Oh, yeah. And I am not yucking anybody else's yum. But I think there is, we, we're, we're having this renaissance of, of game design. And like, there's just other cool things you can do, you know? And this is pretty pedestrian you know, compared to some games, but I think it's, I think it's pretty yeah. easy, accessible and fun. It's definitely accessible. Like that much I can say when you said 30 minutes from putting it down in front of people to getting into the game, that is more than like capable. If you have a loose character idea, you can get that built so fast. And just, that's one of the things I love about this game is how quickly you can get into it. And it, you know, it's designed so that if you have no character idea, you, you can look at the pages. There's lots of evocative feats. You know, there's the, the tank that um, tank you would think, oh, well, you just make stuff. But there's a tank feat that is demolition. And you're like, huh, I want to start with demolition. And, you know, just see where in the world that takes me. And just making that choice kind of begets other choices. And suddenly you have designed a character and you know from the gm side the gm rules are look at the area they're from look at the reason they joined the repugnance look at their feats and make them a game so they could do that thing and shine you know yeah um i i i grew up playing with a lot of uh adversarial gms who would beat you at a mm -hmm. role-playing game <laughs> yep. and, yeah i've been there before <laughs> and you know this isn't that kind of game and if you want to run that kind of game this is probably not the game for you you know you as a gm you definitely have to start off as a fan of the players you definitely have to start off as uh somebody who is playing to find out and you know your job is really to put challenges up and you know see what kind of dumb stuff the players come up to to resolve those challenges and again, you're not legislating on physics. No. The question is, who sees you? How good do you look doing it? And how is this going to affect your reputation? Yeah. So mechanically, this is a Forge in the Dark system outside of dice. So there are things like stress and flashbacks. 
Yep. For people who aren't familiar with those systems, can you give just like a brief rundown on how they work in Shibuya Nights? Um, it was really funny. I went to a game design convention called Metatopia. Okay. And um, I kind of set this game down, uh, the notes of this game in front of uh, some amazing game designers and said, what system should I use? And they said, huh, you got a walled city, super urban, and you want to do heisty stuff? You should build it off of Blades in the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Blades in the Dark does a great thing. I was like, okay. And I read Blades in the Dark, and I, I suddenly became spooked. This is exactly what I'm trying to do, but different. Um, mm -hmm. Blades in the Dark does a great thing with flashbacks. So instead of worrying about figuring everything out as you get your character created you have a mechanic called flashbacks and so as you get in the game and the game is going in the direction it goes and you realize you know based on my character concept there is a part of the fiction you know there's a part of the storytelling that i think should be true i'm gonna roll a die and see if i remembered like i'm a tink i should have a wrench you know, I'm going to make roll a die to see if I remember to bring my wrench. You know, you know what I mean? You know, I'm, I'm a monk. Yeah. I, I should, I should know somebody at this bar. I'm going to make a roll to say I was here yesterday. And as the roll is resolved, we determine if indeed you brought that wrench. If indeed you were at this bar yesterday and if you get a success, we, we kind of push forward with the story and you have um, an extra benefit. If you get a twist, you have your wrench, but it's not quite big enough. So it's not going to give you the extra benefits you were expecting. You know, maybe instead of getting through this, uh, this, this mechanical wall that has all of these nuts on it um, really fast, it's going to take you a little while. And if you fail, oh, you didn't yeah. bring that thing. Or you were in this bar and nobody who was working here yesterday is here today. And, you know, you have an opportunity to enrich the story, but you're getting these story beats from the players and their choices. Yeah. It works out that your character is more knowledgeable about the world they live in than you are. Exactly. And, and knowledgeable and experienced and, you know, maybe you played here when you were a kid, you know, maybe you met this guy before and it just gives the players an opportunity to just, again, come up with stuff that is fun. The GM doesn't have to say, oh, that sounds unrealistic. Just, you know, let the dice decide. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about mechanics and a little bit about characters in the city and some of the inspiration you living in Tokyo for that long. Can you give us a little rundown of the background of this game, the lore of this world? And what I really like is actually that stuff that kind of takes place outside the walls and what's going on there. <laughs> so um, Shibuya is a walled city and I have, I have reams written on how, you know, most people who go out of the city die and you know there's there's the notion of other cities out there that you can go visit and what the challenges outside of the city wall are um 
the biggest one that is most consistent, and this is not an entry level kind of plot point, but you know, um, this is in a very Japanese-ish anime setting. And so there are Oni outside of the wall and they want to come in the wall and they want to destroy the city. You know, the city is an anathema yeah. to them. And you have this walled city and rule number one is don't let the Oni in the city because they'll destroy everything that we hold dear. Um, this is probably not your plot point for your first adventure. Um, oh no, this is like, we're getting close to the end. Yeah. And, or, you know, um, you, you've played a couple of rounds and now you'd like to explore the people who work on the wall, you know, who are kind of like the, the civil engineers of the place. So, you know, you could play a men in black type um, game or a Ghostbusters type game where the people on the wall kind of go around the town dealing with issues, you know, issues of, you know, what's yeah. blocking up the sewage. Oh, it's a giant rat. What's, what's, uh, who's um built something that they shouldn't have been building you know we're going to go be city inspectors and again mm -hmm. if it's about increasing in reputation like this this could be a pretty compelling story arc because you know you you have the city it's huge it's vast there are no building codes and so um it's it could be interesting to kind of figure out like what's really weird and cool going on you know um, yeah, so I have a whole nother game set up for kind of playing outside of the city <laughs> and, uh, Ooh. I, I, oh. I, 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 I kind of ran out of gas, you know, um, it, yeah, that's it, fair. I don't know if you can imagine, but you set out, you set out to write three game books for your first game. <laughs> And then you realize, yeah, what, why, why did I bite off all of this? <laughs> so for today, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just Shibuya Nights. Um, and uh, I was really interested in kind of moving around in the world outside of the city where, you know, it was much more about surviving these mm -hmm. challenges that you couldn't kill. You know, yeah. so... One one day down the road, um, we will we 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 will release that. But um, I just like this idea that inside the city, you can't kill your problems. You have to deal with them. Yeah. You know, you have to change their hearts, or you have to ally yourself with uh, stronger forces so that they're not bothering you. And you know, I've lived through the 80s i've lived through the 90s and you, you mm -hmm. just see on the on the political landscape you know this whole idea of well yeah. we'll go bomb them for a couple of weeks and they'll go away that narrative hasn't really worked no not at all so i think uh you you, you got me on a therapy couch now um <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a uh a, a notion in this game that uh yeah you know your your challenges are are you, you're gonna have to make your friends your enemies you know that you, you mm -hmm. when if you if you get this game and play this game that doesn't have to be what you do but i have definitely yeah. grown to that point in my life 
and uh, as you press, I can see how uh, maybe some of that slipped up into this game. <laughs> you know what, though, the, I think that's totally okay. Every every piece, every project that's been on this show is so rooted in the people who are making it. Michael actually was the one who introduced us. Michael Lowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the entire stories RPG just from the little bit that I talked to him just breathes his personality. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes sense. And you know, I, I, I love Michael. He he's my design partner for another game, <laughs> you know, a, a, a sprint that I'm doing to uh, kind of get in shape for the next chapter of Shibuya nights, <laughs> <laughs> the next marathon. But, um, but yeah, he, has uh some pretty strong thoughts on violence in games and uh yes he does i i agree with him to a certain extent you know i i i think it's like eating you know like he's a vegetarian i eat mm-hmm. healthy you know what i mean <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm looking for a gaming experience that isn't just hack and slash but you know sometimes it's nice to in your imagination space solve a problem by punching into the mouth um and sometimes oh, yeah. he, he <laughs> <laughs> and uh sometimes he uh doesn't feel like that but uh yeah i think it's yeah. awesome that i love you michael we're not making fun of you <laughs> there's room for everybody he, he he's a brilliant cat and yeah, there uh, is <laughs> he, he made a lot of contributions to shibuya nights kind of before it shipped because he was like hmm you, you know this this thing over here is loose. You should tighten that up. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I like you. You're smart. <laughs> you you found my flaw. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just you know if I, I I had some long hard feelings about you know playing an RPG with my kid, and you know I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to play something with him that. You could solve a problem with a sword. It might cause other problems. You could solve a problem with lying. It might cause other problems. You know, like yeah, like real life. Yeah, you know, but like in a in a in a fun way. So um, yeah, you know, I kind of made answers, a game. But are they the right one? And you listen, like I, I, I say that you know, as a parent, I, mm-hmm. I have thoughts, but as a game designer. Let the dice yeah. decide, you know, like, listen, yeah. this is not, a, this is not a place to, to kind of moralize. Like you get away with stuff or you don't. <laughs> and, and the dice will tell you. Yeah, exactly. So Mo, we've actually been going on record for about 45 minutes now. That's just whipping by. So we got to kind of start wrapping up a little bit here, but I got a couple more questions for you if that's all right. Okay. So one of my favorite things to ask on the show specifically because a lot of people who come onto these are either looking to find a new game or they're looking to make their own game. So what advice can you give to those people looking to create their own game, but they're not sure where to start? Play some games. Um, I I think we are at a point where there's tons of game design evolution happening. Um, I played for the queen and it blew my mind. Um, I, oh, I was going to ask if you played that. Yeah, you know, I, 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 of <laughs> I course, I have a touched for, it yet. I have a for the queen hack. Let me know if you'd like to play it with some of your friends. Um, 
I, I think um, I love what PBTA does, really just opening up the space and saying, you know, here, here's the, here, here are the design principles, go do something, you know, mm-hmm. similar, similar situation with uh, Forged in the Dark, you know, here, here's the SRD, go do something, you know, and yeah. you get to see how people have taken it and twisted it and made it interesting and new. And you see where it succeeds, you see where it fails. And, you know, I think you find a game that's close to the game you want to play and figure out if A, you can improve it. And then you figure out if B, it's, 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 it's something that's worth your time. And I, I think these mental exercises are good. Um, they're, they can be fun. They can be frustrating. This is, this is a hobby, you know, game, role-playing games are a hobby. Role-playing game design is a hobby. You know, you're not going to get rich doing this. Yeah. You're, you, you may pay a bill, but you won't pay it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, you know, if, if it's fun, you know, uh, I'm part of a, uh, uh, a game design group out of Glendale that's been online for the last two years. Um, there's Metatopia mm-hmm. that's been online for the last two years. Um, there's so many opportunities to learn and think about game design. And, you know, I think it's actually this could pay your bills if you get into video games. But I think that is a whole other mountain <laughs> to climb. It's but a little different, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I don't. You listen, like the 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 video game RPG is d- based on um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you know that is it, true. It's, yeah, it's it's you know it's it's all there. Um, but yeah, if you want to design a game, go design a game. But go play some games because I definitely realized the rut of imagination I was in when I started going out and playing games and my mind was blown by just how many mechanical tweaks and opportunities are in the toy box and yeah, you know, just have an open mind as you play, but you know, put something out, see if people want to play it, (laughs) move on. You know, I've met people who've been working on (laughs) games for, uh, for years and, uh, it took me two years to finish this game. I tell you, I, I feel for folks who take years to finish a game because, you know, un- unless you're really enjoying it, you know, a yeah. game a game should be played, and the market will determine whether or not people mm. want to play it. Yeah, it it sucks when somebody gets caught up on their fantasy heartbreak and it just doesn't work out for them. And listen, I, I get it. You know, I've had plenty of fantasy heartbreaks. You know, I've written the novel. I've made the films. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I can't recommend either of them. (laughs) Some, 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 some of my films are cute. You you know, but uh, you know, they, they, they were definitely there was joy in the doing. That's great to hear. I'm glad to hear that, Mo. I've had a great time. Where can people? find out more about you and Shibuya Knights, where can they get this game? Uh, you can go to ashyfeet.com A-S-H-Y-F-E-E-T dot com uh, 
and uh, you can see all everything you want to ever know about Shibuya Nights. You can um, find links to drive through and uh, Indie Press Revolution IPR to um, to purchase the game. Uh, within hopefully a matter of weeks, there will be a quick start online on uh, Itch. So you can look for Shibuya Nights for a quick start that has about uh, a very scaled down version of the game that's even quicker and faster to pick up and play. And, uh, you know, just I, I, some people think 15 bucks is a is a mountain to climb to uh, to to purchase a game um, digitally. And so, you know, go go play it. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun game. It looks at I'm like I said, I'm so excited to play this one. It just has a lot of really cool toolkits. We didn't even get to talk about the uh, cool stuff rolls, which is my favorite mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I I I realized in the, the making of this, I am kind of a crunchy gamer, and um, people told me <laughs> to take take a lot of these tables, these roll tables, put them at the back of the book for those who want it. You know, it scares some of these. Uh, yep some people who play story games exclusively but uh if you've played a more trad game um just turn to the back of the book and it tells you how to design your spells how to design your gadgets you know like for me it was really important that everything made sense you know so yeah as always audience those links though for shibuya knights and stuff for mo that's going to be linked in the description of this episode and go out there and check this out that'll get updated too once the quick start comes out so mo that'll we'll we'll talk we'll make sure it's linked in the bottom of the episode thanks zach it was such an honor and a pleasure to have you on i had a really good time so and i'm glad my internet stayed out this time i was telling Mo at the beginning i tried to interview somebody yesterday and it just did not happen so (laughs) thank you so much for for joining me mo it was an absolutely wonderful time thanks zach i've been enjoying your show for a couple months now and um you know it's flattering to be on it oh well thank you so much all right audience well thank you for joining us mo and shibuya knights they've already launched so go pick it up go play this game and let us know what you think about it because i'm excited about it i have the copy I've been looking at it all week, so I'm super pumped to play it. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Mo for coming onto the show this week. Mo is an incredibly talented designer, and he has some incredible things coming in the near future, which I hope we'll get to announce really soon, because having those secrets, that's a little difficult to keep. Go ahead and check out Mo's work on his website and keep an ear for that in the future. Shibuya Nights and its world has a lot more to offer, and I can say that I'm incredibly excited to hear more about it. As always, thank you so much, listeners. There has been a lot of change with me and the show lately, so if there are some audio hiccups going on, I would really appreciate it if you let me know. I have changed to some new software, I'm still working on a new microphone setup, and it's just a lot. I also still do not know what's going to happen with next week's episode or the next episode in general, I guess. But with the holidays coming up and lots of new games and art coming up, I think there's going to be some stuff, even if it's small. I just want to take a quick moment to say that the past year has been honestly one of the best of my life. 
Um, a large part of that comes down to you and the amazing people who have surrounded themselves around the show. I've had a wonderful opportunity for growth and change, and a lot of that comes down to you and this show. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for joining me this past year and giving these wonderful designers a chance to show what they do and help some people get these games and these projects up and off the ground. You are all incredibly wonderful. And I hope that in the new year, if I don't talk to you before then, you find success and happiness and a lot of joy because you brought that to me. So thank you so much. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night.